The following resource is from lmpc.org and we're delighted to provide it freely to all. If you feel led to give towards the ministry of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, we welcome you to do so at lmpc.org slash give. So reading from Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 9 through 18. This is God's holy word. At that time I said to you, I am not able to bear you by myself. The Lord your God has multiplied you. And behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you and your strife? Choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. And you answered me, the thing that you have spoken is good for us to do. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and set them as heads over you, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of fifty, commanders of tens, and officers throughout your tribes. And I charged your judges at that time, hear the cases between your brothers and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the alien who is with him. You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone for the judgment is God's. And the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring to me and I will hear it. And I commanded you at that time all the things that you should do. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Chad Middlebrooks, and I add my welcome to Wills. If I have not met you, I look forward to hopefully having that opportunity at the conclusion of the service. Well, last week we began a new series in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. As we seek the Lord to bring a fresh wind of spiritual renewal among his people here at Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church. And we chose to study Deuteronomy because it's in essence a generational guidebook for spiritual renewal. As we mentioned last week, this book contains a series of three sermons that Moses preaches at the end of his life to the second generation of Israelites. As the first generation disqualified themselves from entering to the promised land, and here the second generation awaits that glorious reality of entering into the land that God had promised their forefathers. But in Moses' first sermon that we have in chapters one through four, he recalls to the next generation, he calls them to look back, look back on what has happened in their parents' generation, to learn from what took place, so that they might live differently as they prepare to enter into the land. And in the previous verses that we looked at last week, Moses recalled how God led his people from Mount Sinai to the cusp of this land on that journey to take up the mission to enter into the land and to drive out the inhabitants so that the land might be theirs. And so as we come to this text, let's first go before the Lord. Let's pray. Let's ask his blessing on our time in it and then we'll dive in. Let's pray together. Father, we gather this morning as your people acknowledging that you alone are God. Your power is incomprehensible. Your knowledge inexhaustible, your grace undeniable in our lives and all around us. 
And we thank you for the gift of your son, the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord Christ, by the power of your word and spirit, come now and lead us. Teach us what we need to know and of the goodness of your truth afresh this morning, that we might follow you wholeheartedly in light of it and be changed as a people. We ask that you would do this for our good and for your greater glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, I was speaking with someone from another church recently, and I was asking the person how things were going at this church. It's a church that I know very well. And in our conversation, more than once, this person made a comment uh, to the effect that it's not the church that I remember. It's different now because there's so many new people that are attending. And what's happening at this church is that they are experiencing real growth and maturity as people are being drawn to this church and coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But some in the congregation are having a hard time with this change because it looks differently, it feels differently than what they're accustomed to. And this person I was talking to is not wrong about the reality that when ministry growth happens and blessing comes upon God's people, it affects the church. Blessing brings a new burden, as it were. It can bring the death of what used to be or how we used to do things. And that can be really sad and could cause grieving among those whom that's been their church for many years. But at the same time, the gospel hope that we cling to says that God brings new life out of death. And so blessings and burdens can be tied up together. And that's what we see here in this text this morning as God has blessed Israel through multiplication. They are growing as a nation. But as we'll see, through that blessing comes a burden. Now as we study this text, we're going to learn that bearing the burdens of God's people calls for leadership that is shared and delegated. We'll see that in verses 9 through 14, but also wise and godly, as we'll see in verses 15 through 18. So Moses here, as we just heard read, is reflecting back on the events in Exodus 18 and Numbers chapter 11 when God gifted a representative government of choosing elders to lead the people of God as they go into this promised land. And Moses is reminding this next generation that God's covenant faithfulness and graciousness to them is further seen in the authority structure that he has put over them to guide and lead them. And so the people must remember the earthly under shepherds that God has given to them and blessed them with as they enter into the promised land and face so many different challenges and trials that lie before them. Because Israel to follow God's appointed leaders is actually to follow God himself and to receive his blessing as they engage and enter into this new promised land. But before we look at the qualities and the characteristics of the leadership that God has ordained over his people, we need to first understand what does it mean to bear the burdens of God's people? I want to try to do this by way of an illustration. It's one that you may have heard, but as the saying goes, you may have heard it, but you haven't heard it today. Kentucky farmer and writer Wendell Berry has many fictional characters in his writings, but one of Berry's most profoundly Christian characters is Dory Catlett. And Dory has a wayward younger brother, this nickname Uncle Peach. And she has cared for her brother since her mother died after giving birth to, to Uncle Peach. But over time, Uncle Peach's irresponsible drunkenness, as he is an alcoholic, it becomes a great burden for Dory and the rest of the family. 
But Dory continues to care for her undeserving brother through all that he puts her through and the burden that he casts upon her. But she refuses to cut herself off from her younger brother, even though she doesn't even expect him to ever change. And though Uncle Peach has been a constant frustration in her life, she doesn't resent the burden to care for him. She doesn't even try to free herself from that burden. Instead, she lives faithfully with it, hoping against hope for Uncle Peach's redemption. And so we hear Barry write this about Dory. He says, she had long ago given up hope for Uncle Peach. She cared for him without hope because she had passed the place of turning back or looking back. Quietly, almost submissively, she propped herself up against him because in her fate and faith, she was opposed to his ruin. Folks, in a church of over a thousand members, there are all kinds of burdens that are represented in this body of believers. And with so many sinners living in a broken and fallen world, there are burdens of marital problems, of rebellious children in our midst, various addictions that people are struggling with, financial burdens that people are bearing, mental health issues, relational strife, differing of opinions of how the church should make her decisions, and all kinds of things that come up in the midst of a congregation of many brothers and sisters. And this is just a portion of some of the burden that your leadership here bears. And the leadership that God has raised up here at LNPC through the pastors and the elders and the deacons, we have a heartfelt desire to prop ourselves up, as it were, against you, because we are opposed to your ruin. But unlike Dory, we have great hope, because we have the power of our risen Savior, knowing that he is at work in and through his people to bring change and healing. This is why your leaders are committed to praying for you and pursuing you and even disciplining you when necessary to draw you back to repentance and faith and to encourage you in your faith. And so be encouraged this morning that you have leaders that are opposed to your destruction. And while the burden bearing is often taxing and exhausting, your leaders here seek to faithfully live out the call that Paul says in Galatians 6, that we would bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And as Samwise once told Frodo in the Lord of the Rings when he was too weary to continue, he told Frodo, he said, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. See, while your leadership here may not be able to bear the full weight and take away your burdens, we can enter in, we can listen We can provide biblical counsel. We can encourage you. Know that you're not alone as you endure whatever trial the Lord has called you to bear. And if this is just a small picture of what it looks like to bear the burdens of God's people, then let us now look and see what the characteristics and the qualities of those leaders that God has called to shepherd his flock. In verse nine, Moses says, I am not able to bear you by myself. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you're now today as numerous as the stars of heaven. And then he reiterates this idea in verse 12 when he says, how can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you and your strife? Again, it's a blessing that God has has graciously given upon his people to grow them in number, 
but there's also a burden to bear. Because even though God has blessed his people numerically, they are not yet perfected. And so when you take numerical growth and imperfection and put that together, it's a recipe for discontentment, for arguing, for bickering, for groaning and moaning. And that's exactly what we see happens in the 40 years as God's people wandered around in the wilderness. But notice Moses' word choices here. He says, wait, burden, strife. One commentator says this, he says, these are graphic words. And they remind us of the many occasions in the wilderness narrative when the people murmured and complained and disputed and argued, taxing even Moses' outstanding leadership abilities. The burdens of the people of God became too great for one person. And so Moses, seeing his need, he then delegates and shares the role of authority over God's people. He recognizes his limitations and he seeks the help of others. And so in verse 13, Moses tells the people, choose from among your tribes wise people that I can appoint over you to shepherd and to lead you. We use this illustration in our officer training. It's told of the the old TV show, The Super Nanny. You may have seen it. The Super Nanny was a British nanny who went into American homes trying to bring sanity to parents with misbehaving children. And one of the things that she was always having to get parents to see is that they actually had the authority to tell their children yes or no. And their children needed to hear that from their parents. And many times the parents were being run over by their children and they didn't seem to realize that they had the authority that had been entrusted to them. Well, our God that we serve is a God of delegation in all sorts of realms. He's the king and sovereign over everything, and yet in all the domains of life, he actually delegates to his creatures roles in order to enact his authority. So in the home, mom and dad have the authority over the child. In the workplace, the boss has the authority over the employees. Students at school, your teachers, your coaches have authority over you. In our government, our government officials have authority And so the church, like a family, has parents, so to speak, as God has put, quote unquote, in charge to oversee, to shepherd. And but as any parent knows, being in charge means that you care for your children more than anyone else does. You help to create a condition for your child to flourish and to thrive. And when they're in trouble, you don't like seeing that and you come to aid. And you want to encourage your child and you go after them even when they stray from the path. And so this delegated and shared authority that God has placed over his people is not to be abused or used for the benefit of the leader, but actually for the sheep. Peter, 1 Peter 5, he says this, he makes it very clear, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. What we have to see here is that your pastors here, we are not a pastor in the same way that Moses was, having authority over God's people, being the intermediary between God and his people. The word Presbyterian comes from the Greek word presbyteros, which means elder or bishop. And so you look out Mountain Presbyterian Church is led by a plurality of elders in shared delegated leadership. 
And we find this plurality of leadership not only here with the people of God, but also throughout the New Testament as it's foundational for the local church. If you remember any of the churches that Paul goes out and plants, he leaves always behind him a group of elders to shepherd and lead that flock. And so a plurality of leadership, what it does is it reflects the nature of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in perfect unity and community with one another. But plurality also acknowledges the human limitations that no one person possesses the full complement of gifts that God uses to bless and build up his church. And so this strength, this unity, this integrity of shared delegated leadership, this model, it provides the church with endurance to carry out her mission. But it also provides an opportunity for the sheep to be cared for and known intimately and loved. And so it's important for you to know that your five pastors here on staff, we do not make decisions by ourselves. We serve under the direction and the guidance at the wishes of the session, your elders that you have voted in this, at this church. And even during COVID, it was interesting because people would come up to us as pastors and say, why don't y'all do this? Or when are you gonna make this decision? As if we had that authority and we don't. God has given authority to the elders, to the shepherds of LMPC to know and to feed and to lead and protect the sheep of this flock. And the apostle Paul in turn asks the sheep to honor those brothers that the Lord has put into places of leadership. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Each spring, we put out an officer's candidate brochure, and you can pick this up, and it has all the candidates in it and their bios and information about them. And I just wanna encourage you to pick this up, not simply just to read about the bios of those officer candidates that we're nominating, but for you to pray for your leadership here, to pray that God would pour out upon his leadership an abundance of wisdom and endurance and discernment and to pour out patience and, and that your leadership would have a hunger for God's word and have compassion for his people to enter in into the weighty, hard burdens that are born here. To pray for much grace for the burden bearing that God calls your leaders to sacrificially participate in, to build up this church and the members of LMPC. Because what happens is when you pray for your leaders and God answers those prayers, you as the sheep are the beneficiary of those prayers. God has called a leadership structure that is shared and delegated in order to oversee his people, to guide them toward the mission and to persevere in that mission and to endure. But he's also called his leadership to bear the burdens of his beloved people or those who are wise and who are godly. So notice in verses 15 through 18, Moses lays out the qualities of the type of leaders that he's calling to shepherd his flock. Verse 13, Moses retells how the first generation chose wise, understanding, and experienced men to serve as their leaders. And then in verse 15, he tells how he took these wise and experienced men and he placed them as, as commanders, as judges over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. But notice here, 
that the people are the ones who participate in this process to choose the leaders which they would have oversee them. And these people that they nominated were to be leaders that had high character and who had qualifications to lead God's people. And the stress here is on godly wisdom, on discernment together with knowledge. Knowledge that only comes from experience. And then these men who were chosen for leadership were to be trustworthy men. Men that they could know and discern between right and wrong, good and bad. They were also to have a good reputation. They were to be men whom the the flock would have confidence in going to them with their disputes and their questions and their conflicts. And then these men, these judges, were to apply the God-given wisdom and knowledge to the various disputes that would inevitably happen in a large community of believers. Then in in verse 17, Moses makes very clear that the leaders' judgments were to be righteous and impartial, not on their own whims, but they themselves were the ones who were rendering the judgment that God had given, not their own personal judgments. And they were not to show partiality regardless of one's status, whether poor or wealthy. You may remember last week in verse three where Moses spoke to the people of Israel, he said, according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. And here at the end in verse 18, Moses reminds the people, he says, I commanded you at that time all the things that you should do. Moses is reminding the people that the goal in rehearsing God's faithfulness in his past and even this leadership structure that he has gifted to them is it so that they could be instruments to hear the word of God and the commands of God in order to live by them and be blessed by God. And likewise, he reminds these newly appointed leaders in verse 17, again, that God is the one who renders the judgment. You are the instrument by which to carry out that judgment in the life of God's people. Now our process here at Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church as we elect elders and deacons to these offices is very similar to what we see here. But in the fall, we have a nomination process. We open that up for members of the congregation to nominate men who they think are qualified for the office of elder and deacon. And we encourage you as you think and prayerfully uh, decide in that process who those men might be, that you would look to the scriptures of what the qualifications that God has laid out in places like 1 Peter 5, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, of the qualifications. And so you're not basing your, your decision on someone's status, someone's wealth, or even how good a businessman someone is, but that you're basing it on the scriptures. And a good question to ask, I think, as we think about nominating men to the office of elder and deacon is, who are those men that are already doing the work of the offices? Who are those men, if you are thinking to nominate someone as an elder, who are those men who are discipling others, who are exhibiting leadership qualities? Or for someone for a deacon, who's already serving within the church informally or serving outside the church in our community? Those are men who are doing the office already who grasp and are understanding the call of God. And then those men, once they are nominated, go through a intensive nine-week training process where they learn of what is uh, involved in the office. They learn various aspects of theology. They're tested upon the material that they learn and the books that they read. And then only after that are they brought before the congregation and then you as members of this church vote and decide 
those men who are qualified and whom God has called to these offices to oversee his flock here. And then after they are elected and ordained, we are called to pray for them, to submit to them joyfully, to encourage them in their office and support them as God gifts them to oversee his people here. Now we've seen the blessing that God has poured out upon his people, the first generation and continuing to the second generation as they prepare to go into the promised land. And we've seen how our Presbyterian form of government with its plurality of elders and delegated and shared leadership is modeled here in the scriptures. And what we're talking about really is how do we function as a family? And this is the way we believe God has ordained for us to function under this kind of polity. And that's no surprise that your leadership, which is made up of sinful, frail men, are imperfect. And that should be all the more reason to pray for your leaders because the Lord's direction in your life includes the Lord's direction through his appointed leaders who are shepherding you. But let us not forget the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who rules and reigns over his blood-bought beloved bride, the perfect shepherd and leader who knows best and who is wisest of how to lead his people to which even these under shepherds submit their lives to, to his leading. He's the one who is the source of all authority and who's commissioned his church to exercise this spiritual authority through the word and through the sacraments that are administered to his, through his ordained leadership. And so while the Lord has equipped and ordained certain men for formal leadership of shepherding his flock, This does not in any way devalue or diminish the call, the gifting, the responsibility of every believer alike, both big and small, and the role that we're called to play in ministering the grace as instruments of God to the people of God and to those outside of these walls. The body of Christ, it's made up of many different parts with different giftings to work together so that we might build up his church under the lordship of our great king, Jesus. As Paul declares in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there's a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. But God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And while yes, our Presbyterian form of government is called for qualified men to lead in the offices of elder and deacon, but here at LMPC, we not only recognize, but we utilize and value the leadership of women in various aspects of the ministry here. And they make extremely uh, valuable contributions to various aspects of of God's work here in this place and outside these walls. Because in our church our size, it's easy to assume that the needs of the church are all covered. But that would be a false assumption. Because the mentality we can also often have is think we're a large church, someone else is doing that or we'll get to that. But as the body, every member must work together in the same direction for the same mission, applying our gifts so that we can build up the work of the the kingdom here. And so for example, we are in desperate need 
of elementary Sunday school teachers for the fall. We don't have enough to even pull off the program. We need men and women and students who will engage with our covenant children in the nursery to expose them to the gospel truths at the youngest of ages. We need leadership in areas of missions and in youth ministry, in Hedgehog Grove and ministry to our shut-ins and to our widows, small group leadership, and all the many different aspects of the life of the church. Where might God be leading you to apply your gifts in this covenant community so that you can build up the body and contribute? Doesn't matter how old you are or what you think your gifts are or are not. The Lord has called us together as a body to work together to build up the kingdom for his name. Well, at the end of the fellowship of the rings and the Lord of the rings, sorry for the second Lord of the rings, But Frodo gets in his boat and he's heading to Mordor, Middle Earth, with a ring. And he gets in the boat and he pushes away from shore and begins to paddle. And his best friend Samwise is on the shore and he starts coming off of the shore into the water to come after him. And Frodo turns around and he says, go back. I'm going to Mordor alone. To which Samwise says, of course you are. And I'm coming with you. Just as a father is not alone. He is in communion with the Son and the Holy Spirit, so God knows that it is not good for man to be alone. And so, therefore, God has provided leadership for His church so that as His people travel the journey of faith with all of its trials and tribulations that we might endure in the context of community with one another under the leadership of those that God has appointed over us. Because the trajectory of this journey is to meet our chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, face to face in the new heavens and the new earth. But until that day comes, would you pray for your leadership knowing that God has blessed us through that and may we come in submission together, working together as the body of believers to uphold the name of Jesus, to carry out his mission, to impact the loss for the name of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in every facet of our lives, you oversee and you know what is best. And even right down to the gracious blessing that you've given us in leadership in your church, that you would use frail, feeble men to oversee this local flock here at Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church. We ask that you would embolden your leaders, that you would fill us with your spirit, that we might lead not out of pride or arrogance or to gain, but follow the leadership of our Savior who laid down his life, not counting it for nothing, and yet being high and lifted up. Father, we want to see your name go forth from this community, in this city and around the world. And so would you allow us as a body to work together to build up this body here at LMPC so that others would look upon us and see the work that is being done, not of our hands, but of you, Lord Jesus, so that you might be attractive and that more and more people might come to know you and walk with you for a lifetime. We thank you that we're not alone in this endeavor, but that you have provided graciously. And so we we return thanks in the way that we love one another and submit to the leadership you've put over us. We pray this in Christ's matchless name, amen.